And we're back for another par train. We got Ev and Serm here today. Strat couldn't make it. But Serm, this episode, I know we say this a lot, but we had Colt Nost on. PJ Tour Pro for the last seven years. He was number one amateur in the world. Hilarious dude. Amazing guy. He taught you a lot, don't you think? I mean, he <laughs> called me out and I needed a little pep talk and, you know, it worked. And I think it's exactly what I needed. But yeah. this guy is probably one of probably the most carefree the... guys we've interviewed and yeah. um, just makes you want to root for him, you know? Yeah. I mean, this guy, it was a really good interview, to, especially to talk about the web.com, the PGA Tour, his grind, the injuries, his attitude is unbelievable. And you see why he's so good. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think this is one of our best episodes yet. And if it's not enough, if the best episode yet is not enough for you, he also has some incredible gambling stories with Phil, Michael yeah. Jordan, and the list goes on. So you might want to keep the, listening. He talks about it so nonchalant, too. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's so good. It's great. So why don't we just stop talking and we just get straight to the interview? Let's dive in. Okay. All right, and we're back. And like we said in the intro... We've got PJ Tour Pro Colt Nost on the line, former number one amateur in the world. Been on the PJ Tour for seven years now. How's it going, Colt? I'm doing all right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining. Um, like we talked about off air, we always like to ease our guests in uh, with a little fun. You know, it's like a little warm up at the range, a couple 40 yard pitches. So uh, we just had uh, Aaron Fleener on a couple weeks ago, you know, the real big cat. What a beauty. What a beauty. <laughs> and he said that uh, it takes you 30 minutes to walk from one end of the range to the other when you arrive. Everyone loves you. Everyone knows you. <laughs> Colt, how's it feel to be the mayor of the PGA Tour? <laughs> I don't know if I'm the mayor, but I'm just, uh, I'm very social. And I just, I just try to, you know, people, some people don't realize how good we have it out on the PGA Tour. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's fun. We're playing a game for a living and playing for a lot of money and, you know, I like to joke around and, and have a good time. And, um, I mean, I'm out there to have to do my business and everything, but I mean, I'm out here to have fun as well. I love it. So speaking of fun, we heard you won a little bit of money off Phil in gin. Um, and how now he refuses to play gin with you after he took a little bit money on you, um, off of a, was it a Tuesday? practice round uh we've played quite a few tuesdays together okay um it's gone back and forth yeah um the gin has gone one way and that's my way will not play he will not anymore (laughs) we're happy to make this podcast 40 minutes of phil slash colt gambling battles if you have them so the floor is yours just tell us something we don't know i mean i've got i've got a lot of stories he would like me to tell but um yeah i mean i got to the first time I ever played with Phil, we were out at the Madison Club in Palm Springs. I just went out there to say hi to all my buddies that are members, and him and Dustin Johnson and Pat Perez and somebody else were just finishing up. And I had my tennis shoes on, golf shoes were at the golf course. He's like, go get your clubs, we're going to play nine more. And he's like, me and you are playing for X amount. And I'm like, I can't say no. Like I think it was my rookie year, second year on tour. I was like, I can't say no. I look like I you know, look so soft in front of this guy. Right. And so I didn't even have my golf shoes. I went out and played, and he just – dusted me like killed me and so we finished and he's like i hear you like to play cards and i'm like yeah i'll I'll play a little bit and he's like let's play some gin i'm like okay so i went all the money back plus quite a bit more and i I had to go to a dinner um i had to go change and come back for a dinner and he's like no you're not going to dinner you're coming back here and we're playing you can they'll bring your food in here so me and him played gin all night and it went my way pretty well 
And he goes, I'm starting to realize this isn't luck. You're pretty good at this game. So he won't blame me anymore. And now his excuse is that we can't play for a dollar amount that will make him interested. So he always likes to throw that in there. Yeah, because he wants to play for something that's going to make me uncomfortable. You guys guys on tour usually just play birdie games. Is that true? Like what, what games are you and Phil playing on Tuesdays? It's different. On Tuesdays, it's always uh, it's two on two, and you just play for an amount. Um, it's just like a match play game. Okay. Um, and when you get closed out, you can press for half. But yeah, it's always um, a partner game. I mean, I've had anywhere. I've had partners from Justin Thomas to Jason Kokrak, um, Jamie Lovemark at the Players one year. All kinds of things. I just I love playing with Phil because me and him just trash talk each other a lot, and it's just it's fun. And that's how that's how I am. And I mean, he, everyone sees him as this nice, really nice guy, but I mean, he can definitely hold his own when it comes to trash talking. So Cole, you, you got Phil to basically say that you're very good at something, right? But what about MJ, Michael Jordan? What can you say about him? Have you gotten him to admit that you've got some game too? Cause we know you've played with him a little bit. You know, yeah, I played with him a few times. Um, the first time I played with him, I was so nervous. It was incredible. It's like as nervous as I've ever been on a tour event, but he's great. Actually, I think we've only played three times and twice of those. He's been my partner which is always oh, great. Nice. I like oh. him on my side. <laughs> yeah, because he gets st- strokes, and he's he's pretty clutch when he needs to be. Um, but, man, it's just this this game has brought me to meet so many cool people like that. And I mean, I never thought one day I would play golf with Michael Jordan and, um, you know, to hang out with him. And just it's just – I mean, he just casts this aura when he walks in places. It's just it's so yeah. cool because everyone in the world knows who Michael Jordan is. How many stogies did MJ suck down in that match? A lot of stogies and a lot of tequila. Yeah, oh, tequila guy. Tequila. Yeah, honestly, in the three or four times we've played, I've never seen him miss a putt on eighteen. Like he's just oh, clutch wow. when he needs to be. It's incredible. Oh. Yeah, Mike, Michael Jordan clutch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? Heard of him? <laughs> that, that is so cool, Colt. Um, obviously, like you know, you've been on the tour for a while, and you, you, being a social guy, we we're kind of curious. I mean, just uh, who's your crew of PGA and some of the web guys over the years? We know Gary Woodland's been a friend. But who are some of the guys you, you know, you're, you're you're playing kind of for fun with, or maybe you're practicing with, or having beers with, um, kind of on your own time? Yeah, you know, like I mean, like I said, I'm friendly with everybody. Like I'll go yeah. to dinner with anybody throughout the week. I mean, you know, pretty much if guys don't have wives out for the week, you know, they call me to go to dinner. And I mean, so it can be anywhere. I mean, Gary's my best buddy out there. But I mean, me and Pat Perez are are really tight. Uh, Graham Delette's one of my best buddies. Kevin Kisner, mm-hmm. Duffner. I mean, all of them. I mean, I and I'll. I play with anyone on Tuesday as long as they'll gamble. I mean, that's <laughs> that's my deal. If they don't want to. I mean, I've been out there long enough now. I don't need to grind it on Tuesdays. Like I've seen the golf course. I know the golf course. I just want to. I want to go out and have fun and gamble and talk trash with guys. So you're the tour wife. You're the stand-in tour wife. Yeah. What a role. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but I'm way more fun than they are. <laughs> Love it. Wow. So, uh, Cole, I I saw something the other day. You can look at the stats, right? You're one of the straightest drivers on tour. And we like to throw in some substance with our fun here just to give people some tidbits to take with them. And I remember hearing you say that people can probably learn more about the golf swing from someone like you versus like a Dustin Johnson or a Rory. What what do you say, what are the most important things we can learn from you to just hit the ball straighter? I mean, well, what I mean by when I, when I say those things like that is like, the average guy that goes out and plays golf is not, for one, not built like Dustin Johnson or Roy McIlroy. I mean, they're more a normal guy. They have a somewhat of a belly. 
Um, you know, and they don't swing at 125 miles an hour. They probably swing it around 100 or 105 like I do. I just I play the game the best way I know how, and I can't overpower a golf course. I don't try to do that. I know that. And so, like, and I think the average guy goes out there and he tries to swing it as hard as he can, tries to swing it like Tiger, tries to swing it like Dustin. <laughs> That's just terrible for their game. If they can learn how to what works for them and what their strengths are and, you know, I mean, find out what you're worst at in golf and try to improve that, and that'll knock the most – most strokes off your score. You know, Cole, as we, you know, you've had such a, a great career, but you, professional career, but you also had a, a really incredible amateur career um, as well. And kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, back in 07 when y- y- you kind of did some of the unthinkable winning, you, you know, a lot of USGA events. I mean, you won the USAM, you won the Pub Links. And um, w- w- talk about that year in 2007 and, and, is it easy to press when you know you're constantly used to some really incredible former success? You know, it's it's just so different. Like, I mean, honestly, I didn't really know I was going to try to play professional golf until my junior year in college um, when I won a couple times, and then you know, my senior year, I came like I just noticed I got better every single year of my life. I didn't start playing golf till I was 13 years old, um, and so, but every single year, I just noticed I got so much better. And uh, my senior year in college. Uh, I Monday qualified for the Byron Nelson and, and I shot 64 on Friday and I think I was in 10th place going into the weekend and like that just changed my whole attitude in golf it made me realize holy shit I can do this like I mean I know it was one round but it was still at it was in my hometown it was one of the biggest stages I've ever been on and um, you know I just kind of took that confidence into, into that summer of amateur golf I mean I was I was staying professional for one reason and that was that was to play the Walker Cup um, that was my sole right. goal and you know, I went, I went out and I mean, I, I played great almost every week. I mean, I even had, I know I finished like fourth at the North Northeast, like third at the Porter cup and then won the pub links, um, you know, played well at the Western and then went out and won the USAM. And I don't know, it just gave me so much confidence. I mean, I knew when I got to the US amateur, I mean, once I got the match play, I just, I just honestly, it sounds cocky, but I knew no one was going to beat me. Um, <laughs> I didn't care who I played. The golf course was perfect for me. And, um, you know, I mean, I had the resume that summer that, I mean, honestly, people were probably nervous about playing me a little bit, not because of my skill set, just because of how great I've been playing. And, you know, it's, it was awesome summer. It's something I'll never forget. I mean, anytime anybody brings it up, still gives me skill, gives me chills and thinking about all those cool things we did. And, um, you know, I just, my first year out on the web tour, I mean, I won twice, I had a great year and, you know, I kind of thought things were easy and I took, I took it for granted. There's n- there's no doubt. Um, sure. You know, I thought it was going to be life on the TJ tour was going to be kind of easy for me. I mean, I, like I said, I kept getting better every single year of my, of my golfing life. And I thought when I get out on the PJ tour, I would probably just dominate and or not dominate, but I would never would really worry about losing my card or anything like that. And, right. Um, you know, I just got caught up in the, caught up in the wrong things. You know, I'm a guy that likes to have fun and I had way too much fun. Um, and you can't do that against those guys out there. They're just, they're too good. There's a time for fun, but you got to treat it as a business as well. And, um, I just, I don't think I was mature enough, uh, to handle that stage quite yet. So Colt, you might've just answered this question right there, but what does a seven year PJ tour pro know that the number one amateur in the world didn't? Uh, well, for one, um, you got to manage your schedule. Um, I mean, I'm as a 22 year old rookie and you're wanting to play every week and being the, you know, you know, the number one amateur in the world, I was getting sponsor exemptions on the weeks that I would normally wouldn't get in. 
which was awesome. I mean, but you want to play every week. You want to be out at the golf course all day, every day, because it's so cool being out there, you know, being with the guys and everything. And, you know, nowadays you just got to – I just know, like, how to conserve my energy and know that I can't play. I mean, I made a deal with my manager, like, I'll – this was like three years ago. I don't think I'll ever, I will never play more than four weeks in a row ever. He's, he wants it to be three. I, I negotiated four. Um, but it's just, you see it so much guys just wear themselves out and it's like guys start panicking when they're, you know, they don't have their card wrapped up in, you know, June, July. So they start playing six, seven weeks in a row. And I try to tell all the younger guys, I'm like, I mean, do you think you're better your sixth week in a row? Or do you think you're better after you take a week off and come back fresh? I mean, it's just, it's hard because, you know you're not making money when you're taking those weeks off. Um, but it's just – it's part of maturing. And, and also, you know, I mean, it's okay to say no to club reps out there. So many guys struggle with that. You know, they want you to test something every week and all that. And, and I was – I mean, I'm I'm not an asshole. Like, if a guy brings me a club up and he's like, hey, will you hit this? I was always like, yeah, sure, love to. Even though I know I'm not going to switch to it, I still would waste time hit, hit it just because I didn't want to be rude to the guy. But nowadays I'm like, sure. hey, man, I'm set. I'm good. Thank you. And they understand that. Um, but it takes a little time getting used to saying no to those guys. Oh, sure. I mean, when you have all that, all those clubs and all, all that gear at your disposal, <laughs> it's, it's fun, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a kid in a candy store, of course. I mean, you're like, Oh, this could give me five more yards. I'm like, go oh, perfect. Give me one. Um, but right. you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's tough. And I mean, like, I mean, a lot of guys, you know, they have great college careers and then some club company will throw money at them and, and they'll switch. And when you're 22 years old and there's a, you know, three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar difference in contracts. It's hard to say no, but if you if sure. you could honestly just stick with the, the the stuff you you became so good with, and take it out there on tour at least for a few years and just stick with it, I mean, you'll make so much more money than that. It's a joke, but sure. I understand when those dollar amounts get thrown at you and you don't have that money, then. Yeah, it's pretty easy to say, "Hey, I'm going to switch everything." You know, Cole, I'm I'm fascinated with your career. Um, you know, obviously on the PGA Tour, but also on the Web Tour because the Web's known to be a tour where you've got to take it a little deeper. You got to take it really low. And I, uh, Cole, I played Division One at Missouri State, and I was a good player, but I was never elite. I could never get to 63 or 62. Uh, how do you keep making birdies? What can you tell the listeners about that when you know when you're out, of, especially on the web? where it's premium. What's going through your mind? How do you get to 63 and 62? Well, I mean, on the web, you just, you just know, like, I mean, Hey, 20 under is probably going to win every week. I mean, that's four rounds of five under. And I mean, when you got it going, you just, I mean, you just keep like my whole deal is say you buried four in a row. I mean, those are in the past. You don't need to think that you're four under. You need to think what's the best way I can play this hole right here next. And you just keep going. I mean, I mean, when you're, when you're swinging it well and you're getting, when you're getting good numbers, I mean, I remember um, when I shot 63 at the players on Friday, I mean, every single yardage I had, I hit all 18 greens, and all every single yardage was a full <laughs> shot. I never was in between clubs all day. Wow. Anything. And it was the easiest. Like, uh, you look at back, I, didn't make, I made one putt over 20 feet and made 10 birdies at Sawgrass. Like, I was like .9 strokes game putting. Like, it wasn't even an amazing <laughs> putting round. It was just everything lined up so perfect. And, I mean, when a tour when a tour player has a stock number, I mean it's pretty easy. When it's just a driving range number all day, every day, I mean it's you're gonna play great golf. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, when you're next year, when you're four hundred, how do you get to five? Staying aggressive, but staying in your routine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you you also you also know like I mean, 
like we always say, I mean, there's red light, yellow light, and green light tints. I mean, if, if something sure. doesn't look right, something doesn't add up. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, hitting it 30 feet or hitting it in the middle of the green and trying to make a putt because sometimes those go so, in. Um, plain easy, plain easy you're golf. you're and trying to get to five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I sat down with one of the statisticians out on tour, Hortsey, and he basically, he looked at my stats and he told me if, if I have over 160 yards, I shouldn't even look at my pin sheet. I should hit it in the middle of the green because hmm. wow. the way he figures it out, like I birdie one out every three greens I hit. He's like, you're one of the best putters on tour. Like the more chances you have, the more birdies you're going to make. <laughs> so it was interesting, but it's hard to tell a guy when he's got a <laughs> seven iron, not, not to go at right. the 10. Like, right. I feel like I'm good enough to go at it. Yeah. It's amazing like how much this game is, even from when I first came on tour, I mean, there was no statisticians around following guys and telling them how to play the golf course and all that. I mean, the technology has just changed so much in this game. It's, it just, it blows my mind. Just, I mean, I'm a big golf fan. I watch it every week when I'm home, and it's just amazing all the stuff that, that happens out on tour now. For sure, and, you know, some of our conversations reminded me a bit of our conversation with Scott Langley where you guys had similar starts where you both were as hot as any amateur in the world going into your pro career, and you couldn't have asked for a better way to enter the tour, right? And then you guys have had similar starts where, you know, you – you you specifically have gone through Q school a couple times and you grab your card towards the end of the year and I just want to know about the grind over the years and that mindset because like Serm referenced earlier it'd be easy for you to press a little bit and say you know I was the number one amateur in the world I should be I should be winning more but I'm curious of your mindset week to week um, with that type of grind versus you know how that mindset might change if you if you did grab a PGA tour win and had a two year exemption, but I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, I, I absolutely, you know, there's, there's guys on tour that love golf and there's guys that play golf cause they're good at it. Um, you know, there's guys that come home after a week off and they don't touch a club. They don't do anything. And, and I'm the total opposite. Like I, I love playing. And to me going up to whisper rock and jumping in a cart with a few beers and listening to music, playing golf with guys, that's not work. That's, that's fun to me. So with these injuries the last two years, like it's been brutal because my whole day normally involves around playing golf with my buddies. Um, so like I said, like I wouldn't change any, like obviously I would have loved to have a career of Dustin Johnson that's won a million times and, you know, keeps his car, like never has to worry about keeping his car in it, card or anything. But the way the game's changed over the years, you'll you'll not see many players that play golf the way I do or Scott Langley does coming up and having very, very successful careers. Now that's just my opinion. It could yep. change, but the way the game has changed, it's just it's 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 hard. It's a much, it's much harder for a guy that hits it 275 off the tee nowadays to compete because it's such a bomber's golf course. I mean, I mean, Jesus, they're making these drivers. Taylor is making these drivers that makes the ball go straighter for these guys that swing at 125 miles an hour. Like it's it's brutal. And I mean, there's you know there's seven or eight weeks a year where the short hitter has the short accurate hitter kind of has an advantage or it sets up well for him and you have to play well at those. And that's a lot of pressure. I know going into colonial, I know going into Hilton head, like I have to play good. Here. Like yeah. these are my chances to win. I'm, I'm probably not going to win at Torrey Pines. You know, I'm not going to win at Riviera. Um, Doesn't it makes me think back to Luke Donald when he got to number one in the world and you know, not a long hitter, not even that straight of a hitter, but the greatest we've maybe one of the greatest we've ever seen from hundred yards in, Truly amazing now, right? As the game progresses, to think, and that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, 
it was amazing what he did because to be honest, and he'd be the first to like, he didn't drive it great. He was a right. short crooked hitter, but his iron game was unreal and his short game and his putting were unreal. And I mean, he played well at weeks. He, he needed to play well. Um, yeah. I mean, but like I said, there's very few cases of Luke Donald. Nice. I mean, you know, I talk, J- Justin Leonard was one of the first pro golfers sure. I met growing up. And I mean, he was kind of, he kind of took me under his wing when I was living in Dallas. And I mean, honestly, I mean, he'll tell you the same thing. I mean, the game kind of just went away from him and mm-hmm. he, I mean, I think he was just over grind. I mean, he was such a dominant player, you know, in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, he, he won 12 times on tour. I mean, that's a lot of wins. And he, um, he had one major could have had a couple. Yeah. Yeah, he had a major and a players. Um, you know, lost in a playoff. Hall of Famer. Two other majors, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the game the game just, I mean, it's it's just tough for guys like that now nowadays. And like I said, you look at every kid coming out of college. There's not one of them plays golf the way I do, the way Justin does. It's just not. I, I, I mean, I, they had me come out to this AJGA here in um, Scottsdale a month or two ago, one of their big ones. Just uh, and I played like the am am thing or whatever, but I walked sure. up down the range for like thirty minutes just watching guys hit balls. And I mean, it's just these kids are sixteen and seventeen years old and they fly three hundred. Like it's right. just it's just a different level. And I mean, that's all these kids are taught nowadays. Which is, I don't blame teachers. You talk to Boyd Summerhays, who's a great coach out here, and his kid Preston's, um, I think fifteen years old, just won the Utah Utah Open or Utah Match Play, something like. All he teaches a bunch of young kids, and their number one thing is let's see how far we can hit it, and then we'll worry about hitting it straight later on. Right. And that's just the total opposite of the way I was brought up playing the game. I mean, I played practice rounds with Dustin and Gary, and I mean, like <laughs> you go out there and you play. And I mean, I remember me and Dustin played a practice round at Royal Troon a few years ago with the British. In the first three holes, we're straight down win, all 360 to 380 yards, and there's a burn at 280 you have to carry. Well, I'm laying up with iron off the tee and hitting a wedge. He drove the first three greens. <laughs> I'm like, how am I supposed to compete with this? Like, I would hit a wedge to 10 feet. He would lag it up there. I never had a putt to win. Like, it was just, it's just it kind of demoralizing, you know? I mean, you've got these guys out driving you by 80 yards, and you're like, first off, in my mind, when I'm out there, I'm like, if I can stick this inside up, it's going to drive me nuts. Like, I can talk right. shit to him because... <laughs> because I just had a hybrid inside their iron iron. Like, that's fun for me. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's like they're probably going to come out on top a little more often. So, Cole, this is uh, interviewing one-on-one. I'm going to talk about myself for a second, okay? Uh, okay? I just played in a big member guest a few weeks ago. Preparing for weeks, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm talking 7 a.m. range sessions, short game. I was grinding out there. People that follow my personal Instagram know this. Um, I got a Ryder Cup in a few weeks. So for those guys out there, this, quote, major hangover thing, it's real. Okay, I need you to help me out, Colt, because I prepped so hard for the member guest. I got a bit of a hangover getting back into gear for my Ryder Cup trip in Palm Springs in a few weeks. So I wanted to ask you, how do you keep the grind up for the next week and not burn yourself out? Are you saying your your golf game's hungover or your liver is hungover? <laughs> Probably both. Probably oh, a little bit both. of both. <laughs> both. Yeah. Well, both. Have a couple beers. That'll cure everything. <laughs> and the golf, I mean, just rub some dirt on it, dude. You're playing golf. It's not like you're running a marathon. <laughs> tough life, right? Have you... golf a few days. What yeah. a sob story. Wow, I mean, these guys love. are like, I'm so exhausted from <laughs> golfing. God, I'm like, kidding me? The tour wife, I mean, the, the tour wife is coming in. Walk around 18 holes. Colt knows yeah. tour wife giving me some tough love. I love this. You know, this is exactly what I needed. I didn't even need secret <laughs> sauce. I just needed a pep talk. 
Yeah. Okay. Put on some country yeah, music. Just, get, you know? put, get in a cart. Play yeah. it, you know, right? But I actually got a really funny... <laughs> yeah, uh, I got a good follow-up question to that, actually. Because um, okay. I felt the pressure... I don't, I don't know if this is how all member guests work, but, you know, you win your flight and you go into a shootout with sudden death elimination with all 11 teams that won their flight. And I felt the pressure with 300 people in their carts watching us when I hit, an, hit a five iron off the first tee on a short par four. Because all we needed to do was make par. And for the rest of the golfers out there, I was amazed in that moment thinking, okay, I'm feeling like crazy pressure to hit a 80-yard wide fairway with a five iron. I can't imagine what these guys are feeling with millions of dollars on the line and thousands of people watching there and, and millions at home. So how do you play free in the biggest pressure moments? I mean, for me personally, like I've never – like crowds have never bothered me like I enjoy it like I mean in college and everything like I never it never made me nervous getting up and speaking in front of people or anything like that and hitting a golf ball is what I'm good at so like I'm like first off these people bought a ticket to come out here and watch I don't really care what they think Hmm. I, I mean I'm here to try to put on a show and like I mean Phoenix is just a great example like I just there's guys that hate that tournament and there's guys that love it and I'm one that loves it like I I mean it's a terrible golf course for me but I love playing it because the crowds are awesome. I mean, I love the energy and like getting to 16. Yeah. You get nervous, but it's so cool. Like, I mean, I never shoot away from the pin on 16. Cause I want to make the place go crazy. <laughs> Everybody worries about them booing you. I'm like, once you tap in for par bogey or whatever, and walk to the next hole, they forget about you anyway. <laughs> they don't really care. They're just waiting on the next group. So I'm like, you're here to entertain and have fun. And I mean, you know, I mean, when you're playing in front of a big crowd, normally that means you're playing well and that's kind of what you're shooting for. So, I mean, I just accept it. I, I, I love it. Absolutely. Um, that's one of the coolest things about our sport is just, but I, you know, you talk to other athletes and I mean, I've, I've played golf with a lot of guys that are really good at other sports and, you know, they'll tell you, they, they freak out hitting a golf ball in front of a big crowd. They can't, they can't handle it. And, oh, yeah. uh, I just laugh at them. I'm like, how can you shoot a free throw in front of 30,000 people screaming at you? And then you got a hundred people watching you hit a golf ball and you freak out. And he's like, I just don't know how you do this, like all this. And I'm like, but I mean, at the same time, I would be, I'd probably freak out, shoot a free throw late in the, late in the basketball game in front of all those people as well. It's just kind of our comfort zone. Cool. Let's, let's flip it. What's it like playing in front of huge crowds like you've done and you don't know where the ball's going? How do you stay within yourself? Well, I don't swing hard enough to not know really where the ball's going. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't ever hit it that far offline. <laughs> See that's you know, uh, that's a lesson right there. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, the, the softer you swing at it, the less crooked it's going to go. But I'll, I have a funny story about hitting it crooked. I, I was playing with Phil at the PGA on Saturday or Sunday, I guess, and we get to 17 at Baltusrol, the par five, and I mean, we made the cut on the number. We're in last, and there's so many people out there following our group. It's ridiculous. Or following him, um, but you know, like normally. If you if you hit somebody with a ball, you give them a signed glove or whatever. So we step up on 17, and I just hit this vicious snap hook. And if it was just if I was playing with anybody with Phil, it would have been fine because it would have gotten over into all the trampled down stuff. But I drilled this guy right in the, right in the chest. Oh, the and chest! Like, it dropped down and in the worst lie. It dropped down in the worst lie like ever. And I go and I'm like, sorry. Anyone heard? And he's like, you hit this guy in the chest. I'm like, I'm like, I'm so sorry, dude. I was like. You want me to see a Phil sign a glove for you or something? Like, I know you don't want one of mine. <laughs> so uh, I just was trying to beg Phil to give him some money and a glove. 
since I hit him in the chest, but he didn't go for it. He didn't but do it. Oh man! Phil, Phil Come just started on, laughing Phil. and got to walk away. Because <laughs> I've, I've seen Phil like slip a couple hundred bucks in there <laughs> when he like really? guys watches. Like Phil, give him some money. Give him some money. Wow, I did but not know that. That's the problem with playing with Phil, though. There's so many people. If you hit it way offline, those people stop it, and it gets in worse situations. I wanted to get way over there in the trample down stuff. I've only hit like three people in my career. Like it's been pretty pretty lucky. So what's it feel like to wake up on a Monday and see a big check hit your bank account after a great week? I've always wondered. Well, normally Monday you're hungover. Um, <laughs> Sunday nights are are fun night. So normally after after a good week we all go out. And the problem is with, with being friends with most of the guys, if when they do win, then I go out and party with them and act like I won. So I feel terrible the next day, and I didn't make anything. But uh, it's still it's still a lot of fun. What is it like being a tour pro in Scottsdale versus Florida? I know the major hubs are, you know, there's some guys in Sea Island, Scottsdale, some in Texas and Florida. But curious who's at your club. What's the scene like in Arizona versus Florida? Yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. I moved out here two and a half years ago. Um, just decided to rent a house one winter and just fell in love with the place. Joined Whisper Rock. Um, which is where most of the tour guys are members at. And, you know, it's our, our golf club is just, it's so cool. I mean, any athlete in Scottsdale, anybody, any tour player, I mean, it's, it's just a, such a great place. Greg Trius, the owner just treats all of us like Kings. And I mean, you walk out on the range in December, there's could be 15 tour players out on the range. I mean, it looks yeah. like a tournament. I mean, we have games, we have games every single day. And mm. I mean, it keeps you sharp. I mean, when you, I mean, you're playing against guys that are really, really good every single day. I mean, it it, it really pushes you, but it's a, it's so much fun. Yeah, Mark Mulder's it's out a, there. He is. Mark Mulder. He can play. He's got a big week this week. I know his annuity, the second century. He just dominates those things. This would be a three P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be crazy. It's weird when we're out at Whisper Rock. A lot of people get me confused for him. I don't know what the deal is, but it just happens. <laughs> you guys look pretty similar. Yeah, he's like six six and ripped and good looking. I can, and then there's I, can, me. I can see it. I can see. Yeah. It. I can see it. Hey, speaking of being awesome, yeah, he's a. Um, you're a Travis Matthew guy. So are we? Um, I am. And oh, well, we're... They take care of us. Okay, <laughs> shout out to Paul and Joe. Um, they just, oh, in my opinion, they do everything the right way. And um, we've actually never had a Travis Matthew pro on here so i wanted to ask you what's it like having them as your partner and your sponsor because they are the best man it's, it's awesome honestly like i've been friends with those guys for a long time i mean probably you know ever since they came out seven or eight years and you know like i've always worn their hat just when i'm hanging around and all this and um travis brasher the ceo called me a couple of years ago and asked if i wanted to wear it and i thought he was just messing with me as he usually does um because i mean i'm not their typical build kind of guy <laughs> but um you know he he told me basically they want everyone to wear it and they thought I'd be a perfect guy for it. And, you know, just working with them is incredible. I'm, they treat us so well, anything you need. I mean, it's there the next day, you know, the products incredible. I'm so happy for them with Callaway buying them. Like all those guys deserved all that. And, uh, it's just, I couldn't imagine being with a, with a better company. Yeah. You and Patrick Cannelly are pretty similar guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what those guys like the guys that run it they just love to have a good time i mean they're just they're so much fun and i mean i've been to i went to the factory and i mean just all the stuff they do it's just they're there to entertain and you know they bring that bus out on tour every once in a while and it has the big rooftop and they have beer oh, yeah. pong going and it's that's just, great it's it's a it's a party and they just they know how to 
and they know how to appeal to the to appeal to the public. And I mean, that's why they sell as much as they do. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah, Cole, we had Kevin Chapel on Chap on last uh, last year, and he was great. And we wanted to we we asked him this, and we want to ask you it. Um, because you're a hard worker, do you work hard to be great, or do you work hard because you're afraid you might lose your game? I enjoy the work. I would say, yeah. um, you know, I work hard because yes, I want to be successful on the PGA Tour. I would, I mean, I want to play out there as long as I possibly can. Um, so yeah, I, I work hard to be great. Uh, yep. I don't think I'm going to lose it. Like, I mean, I've taken seven or eight weeks off in surgery, and I go out and you know, chipping the other day and putting and. I mean, it still feels all the same. Like, I don't think I'm going to lose yeah. it. Um, it might not be when it's mid-season, but, like, but I enjoy the work. I enjoy preparation. I enjoy trying to get better. Um, sure. You know, I, I would say none of us hit the amount of balls we did when we were in college or at junior golf, I'd say. You know, junior golf, college, I mean, you're, oh, yeah. you're trying to figure out the game. You're, you're When you get to the level of the PJ Tour, I mean, you've, you've put in the work. Now it's just, you know, honing your skills, getting better here and there. You don't have to range balls for four guys doing that anymore once you get to right. that level yeah and you talk about playing against each other for for high stakes or whatever and that really does keep you sharp oh 100 percent. i mean you uh yeah i mean when you team up with guys that aren't professional golfers i mean we have a we have a dentist at westbrook with a one handicap a couple other guys that are scratches that they'll play for anything you give them one and and they're they're really good players and i mean it pushes you 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 get putts out there for a lot of money, and I mean, you can't go out there and slap it around and shoot seventy-three or four and expect to win. Play golf, Colt. How many strokes are you giving the one handicap dentist? He gets five. He gets five. Wow! 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 He makes us play to a plus four. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty much in all the stuff at Whisperock <laughs> we do. Even though they keep, they actually keep our handicaps at Whisperock. They type in all our tour scores and everything. <laughs> that's incredible. Who who who's got cool. the low handicap out there? Or it's all plus four. <laughs> a guy. A guy you've never heard of. That's who. Oh. Who has tried? He's got like a plus seven point eight, and he never plays with us or anything. But I think um, Scott Harrington, who's on the web tour, has like plus seven point five or something like that. Still's like plus seven somewhere around there. Wow. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of love. First off, you you can never play with a plus seven if a guy's a two. I mean, right. Giving a two okay. nine shots is going to be a rather difficult game. Right. So. so so Colt, um, yeah. Serm mentioned Chapel, and one of the most fascinating mm-hmm. things that he told us, um, this was right after the President's Cup and his win, that his goal for 2018 was to do the same putting practice and routine all year, never change equipment, regardless of the results, and not to tinker after a bad putting day. And I thought this was really interesting because all of us on the par train here, Strat's not here tonight, but all three of us love the game like you, and, and we tinker, and I go to the range, and I try and find something, and then I think I have it all figured out. I can't imagine doing that as my job. How do you balance the not seeing the results on a day-to-day and not you know, blowing it up and, and tinkering too much? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's such a result-oriented game. So, I mean, you can feel like you played great. If you shoot 73, let's be honest, you didn't play great. <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's tough. I mean, unless you're up there competing and, you know, and in contention every week, you're probably not real happy with your game. I mean, people are saying, stay patient, the results will come and all this, but you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, t- it's tough not to tinker, tough not to, you know, change equipment, change teachers, all this. I mean, uh, chap just changed 
changed teachers recently uh, from his guy that he's been with a long time. I mean, um, I've changed teachers a few times over the last couple of years, just trying to figure certain things out, trying to get better, trying to take pain off my hand, um, you know, all kinds of things. But I mean, it's, it's your job and, you know, I mean, you, you try to figure out and do what's best for, for you and what it is to succeed. And that's why I think it's so important to have a good team around you, you know, a good manager, a good coach, good caddy. They can sometimes step in and be like, Hey, listen, you don't need to, you know, overhaul your whole game. Like let's stick to what got us here. Just go back, work on the, work on the fundamentals of things, work on the things that got us here and let's go out and play good golf. There's no reason to panic because at any moment, I mean, James Hahn a few years ago is the most perfect example. I think he missed eight cuts in a row and then won at Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, after you miss eight oh. cuts in a row, honestly, you're cold the next week. It's probably, let's just please end the streak and make the cut this weekend. Yeah. And he goes right. out and wins the golf tournament, which I think is just awesome. I mean, I remember my um, year on the, my first year on the web, um, I was playing horrendous in West Virginia. And I told my caddy, let's just try to find something on the back nine, get ready for next week. I ended up shooting 30 on the back nine, missing the cut by a shot, but I found something and I went out and shot 26 under the next week and one by four. Um, I mean, Jeez. Just, this game can change so fast. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're the difficult thing with golf, you do it four days in a row and every yeah. morning you wake up and your body can feel different. You know I mean? The club can feel different in your hands. Your stance can change your, you know, your shoulders can be open one day when they feel the same as before. And it's just a constant battle to try to find that consistency in this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, and we, and you know, Cole, as we kind of wrap up here, kind of want to leave you on, we want to talk about, you know, a high note in your career in 2014 and 2015, you played some incredible golf. You had seven top tens on the tour <laughs> over 2.5 million in earnings. You know, as you kind of shared things, some things about a strong mindset and confidence, what was going on, you know, during that run? Um, why were things clicking the way that they were? You know, it's just, I think it was just, I finally got to that point where I was comfortable out on tour. Um, and I felt like I really, really belonged. You know, it's 14. Sure. I, I had, I think, four top tens. I mean, I think there was, I think I finished like 10th or 8th right around there. And then actually the, the 15, I had, I think, three third places. Like, I, I was in contention to win yeah. a few times. And, you know, it's just, a lot of it's just comfort. And I felt like I belonged. And honestly, um, you know, in 2015, my hand, my thumb was bothering me so bad. I went and saw a doctor and um, they all thought I was done, that I needed to have surgery. I got another opinion. He had me take two weeks off, did a cortisone shot. And then two weeks later, I finished third at the players, fourth at the Nelson. And basically I was just playing golf. I was never practicing. He told me I could warm up, go play. And then no balls afterwards. You could putt. And that was it. And that's what I did the whole rest of the year. And then the off season came around and I started grinding and trying to practice and get better. I couldn't take it anymore with my hands. And, um, and that was very derailing to me because I was coming off the two best years of my career and, the last year had been so great where I, I think I made like 21 cuts and just was up there so much, just being very consistent. And then, you know, my, my hand just couldn't take it anymore. And I'd have surgery and I sat out a year and, you know, it's tough sitting out, a, sitting out a year and then coming back and trying to compete again um, was, was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And then I re-injured my hand again this year at Dallas. And I think hopefully we finally got, got it right this time. And, you know, I have 13 events to make my money. And if I don't, I'll figure out what to do next. But, um, you know, like I said, I just, I, I love being out there. There's nothing better. Eventually there's going to be the day where I don't play on the PGA tour anymore. And 
I'll miss competing more than anything. I just I just love being out there. There's nothing I'd rather do. So, Cole, we'll get you out of here on this. We always do this with all of our guests. You know, the real big cat, Aaron Fleener, gave your name <laughs> for this, which is why you're here today. So mm -hmm. this is important. We're going to put you to work here, okay? Uh, who do you think of the guys that your boy's with is a must-have for us to have on the show next? Uh, have, you, have you done Graham Dillette yet? We have not. No, we have not. Oh, he's... He's he's awesome, and he's got a lot of downtime right now. He's he's out for the year with back surgery, yeah. but he is such a good dude and such a proud Canadian, which I always mess with him about. But he uh he he's got an awesome personality, and y'all would love him. Okay. Well, uh, Cole, what's up with you and Graham, the two best ball strikers in the world, having some injuries? I mean, we wish you guys well, but it kind of seems like Graham's a coincidence. Back has just been. Yeah. yeah, Graham's back has been just awful. He uh he sat out with had stem cell and then just found out a couple weeks ago he has to have surgery on his back. So I don't know when he's gonna come back. And hmm. my left thumb just sucks. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully this doctor got it right. He thinks he found what was really bothering me, and I'll be back to yeah. playing again soon. I hope because I've been so bored for two years. For sure. Well, hopefully we'll have uh, Graham on next, um, and hopefully we'll see you at the start of the 2019 season. So we wish you the best. Thanks so much for coming on, yeah. Cole. This was great. We'll have you on you anytime, it, uh, and hopefully we'll see you back soon. You got it. Thanks. All right. Bye.